A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello, welcome to Following On County Cricketer with myself, John Norman, double county championship winner Steve Harmison and the cricketers George DeBell and Nick Friend. Whether you're listening to TalkSport 2 or the Following On podcast, thanks for being one of the thousands who join us every week. We're changing focus with T20 cricket moving in as the weather improves, looking at some of the key performances over the last seven days, as well as talking about the big talking points affecting cricket. On today's show, we'll look at scheduling, uh, the continual existential threat to the England summer poses to buy new T20 leagues, Jason Roy and all that. The rise of Joshua Tung. Botox might even get a mention as well. You're listening to Following On, County Cricketer on TalkSport in partnership with The Cricketer. OK, well, let's start off with the blast then, shall we? We've had a, a full week of uh, fixtures. We've had some uh, incredible individual moments um, and we've... Uh, yeah, we're, we're up and running. It's almost like the county championship never happened. Uh, Nick Friends, I imagine you've been to about 15 different T20 games in seven days. Uh, give us a... Give oh, us it a... does feel like it, doesn't it? Well, it looks like it as well, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, well, initial thoughts, really. I mean, you've been to way more games than, than I have, but uh, I've been dipping in and out to, to the TV coverage, some of the YouTube streams as well. And well, look, the weather's been good. Crowds look decent. Cricket's been fantastic. How do you break it down? Well, no, I guess like that. I mean, I think the overriding, this will sound completely ridiculous, but I guess my over the overriding sort of takeaway from the first week is, <laughs> this, does, this will sound like a moan, but it's not. It's just so many games. Got back from Canterbury at like 1am on Thursday morning from watching Kent play Gloucestershire. That was their sort of the launch of their streaming night, but equally they still had 3,500 people through the gate on Wednesday night in May in half term. And then I went from there to Lords, where Sean Abbott couldn't get in Surrey's top eight. Uh, and then the next night I went to the Oval, where Sean Abbott hit the fastest 100 blast history. And and then, yeah, and then yesterday I was at Merchant Taylor's watching Middlesex play Gloucestershire, who were sort of the two teams in the country who who really needed a win and have struggled on the blast so far. And then they, um, as would have been beautifully ironic, almost played out a tie. Um, but in a game between two teams that keep on losing this, they probably had to be a loser. And then I watched one team 
literally throw away a win that, in the words of Stephen Eskenazi, Middlesex would have won 990 times, 999 times out of a thousand. I just happened to be there for the thousandth. It was, yeah, I mean, but like, there's been a lot of good cricket. You say the Abbott hundreds, I don't, I don't know if you were there, John, for that. I mean, it was just nuts. <laughs> he'd only hit 25 sixes in his T20 career before, before and he'd never passed 41. He averaged 10. So he tried, he was meant to bat at eight the previous night against Middlesex, but he'd got locked in the pavilion because he was behind the bowler's arm and the steward wouldn't let him through. And then there, yeah, it was all, it was pretty mad. Um, and then Kent briefly like chasing it down, which would have desperately ruined my report. So I was very grateful when they lost a heap of wickets in about 10 minutes. Yeah, I was, um, my, my cousin was there, my nephew was there. I actually texted Bats halfway through Abbott's innings when he was on about 50, to say, what a sign in this guy's been. And then, you know, his next 50 took uh, about 12 11 balls, balls but, I think it was, yeah. Was it 11? It was, uh, it was... He was four or five balls or something, though. He was thirteen off. He was fourteen off thirteen as well. And then I don't quite know what happened after that. (laughs) We dumped Laurie up. (laughs) (laughs) In a weird way. So I know this in like I don't listen the sorry section much as John would happily have it this way. There is a sense of that. Like I know they lost on Sunday against against Sussex, but there is a sense that if you don't take your chance at the top six, like you will be down at nine or ten the next game because they're literally. I wouldn't say they've not got 11 batters because they really don't. They've got about four batters, but they've got about 11 guys who can go in and, and whack it. Like Sunil Narayan opened the batting in that first game at Lords when Abbott was down bat at nine. And then Abbott batted at six the next night and Narayan didn't bat. And then you've got like Gus Atkinson with first class 50s. In fact, like a first class 50 this month. Tom Laws, with, who I watched get four fifties in last year's Royal London Cup, batting sort of middle order, low middle order, batting at number 11. Like it's, and then you've got Tom Curran, who I thought was a bowler. <laughs> batting and, at four, and not, just that. not batting, and, but also going out at Lords and, and whacking a very good 50 and having clearly developed his game massively and added a lot of power to it, certainly, particularly through the offside. Sam Curran just goes out and like whacks, whacks guys for number three now. It's... Um, it's rich, it's rich, it's rich. And, and obviously Jason Roy's not involved at the moment, so he'll come back and presume, yeah, I mean, presume, presumably he will open the batting. But yeah, like anyone, you know, beyond beyond Jackson Roy when he's when he's fit, it genuinely three to eleven is quite fluid. Like Laurie Evans was down at seven or eight against Middlesex. I think Will uh, Jamie Smith batted at nine at one point last year. I, I don't know if you know they lost against us. It's, there's probably an argument against like the lack of continuity. But maybe that is also what makes it so dangerous. You know, Kent were never prepared for Sean Abbott to walk out at 64. Uh, and they certainly wouldn't have prepared for him to roll off a 34 ball 100. So um, I don't really know. I just found it quite, it's, it's quite hard to cover, really. <laughs> well, all these guys who, who have spent their whole career being specialist batters, mm. Rory Burns, Tom Sibley, they're nowhere near. I don't think Rory Burns got in their seconds. No, he, he played one, he played the quarter final last year, didn't he? So yeah, which was, few, yeah, but, which we lost. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, it Jamie, is it is it is madness. So, you know, I don't know if you've ever had this when you've looked at the. It's almost like T Twenty teams are more than the sum of their parts at times. If you look down the list of players, it's, if the sorry situation reminds me of like a really of a, of a much more thought through version of what happened at the start of T Twenty, where Worcestershire reversed their batting order and actually had Gareth Batty open the batting with Matt Mason. I think it was on the basis that you just send guys out there and have a swing. And obviously that's not what Surrey are doing, but they've just, they've seen the value. I mean, I think everyone's seen the value. So T20, I'm not, you know, T20's moved so far over the last 20 years, but, you know, the, you know Jamie Overton playing as a specialist batter, there would have been a time a few years ago, certainly where 
if you had a, a fastball with a back injury and the blast came around, you would just let him be and, you know, let him recover and sit him out and tell him to, you know, just, just not play any cricket for a bit. Whereas the, the, the dumb thing now is to say to Jamie Overton, you whack it 100 yards. So why don't you just go and do that from number five but, or six? But he's very specialist because he comes in in the 16th over. They don't want him in before that. That is specialist, yeah? Yeah. yeah this anyway, I, they've, they've created, I think it looks a bit roles. thin. It does. And I think it showed in Sussex that it, it actually it can go wrong. You could be buy it for 150. But equally, in their two previous games, they've made 200 and 220. So... I I really don't know. I've just been quite intrigued watching it. Will it will it come back to bite them in the in the the, the sort of knockout stages? Because you get that with a lot of like, good sides who breeze through the qualification with a certain plan, but then all of a sudden when they come up against a side who is very very good, like themselves, they might not find themselves as good. And the plan that they've got now, as in the bowlers whacking it, you come up you come up against uh, I, I don't know a, a Warwickshire a team in the a team in the in the North Division who have got two unbelievably fast bowlers or a couple of good new ball bowlers and all just want to play on spinning wickets, which looks like the way Edge Preston is going. Absolutely. Then all of a sudden, then bowlers that are whacking it who are not specialists, batsman wise, batter wise, then that's where they, they come unstuck. And is that yeah. possibly why Surrey haven't won the T Twenty since? You know, the great days of Adam Holyoke. Perhaps I think so. And Surrey obviously tend to, so where Surrey won't be hit this year is by losing players mid comp to England. I mm. think they just accept they won't have Ollie Pope. Obviously, Ben Folk's available to them, but as but isn't playing at the moment. What's mad is they've got Chris Jordan, Jason Roy, and Reese Topley to come into this side. So I think they'll be fine. Uh, no, like, because actually, for as much as the batter might look thin, they are, they're going to, at some point, field an extremely strong bowling attack as well. I don't think um, Reese is going to be fit for this season, is he? Well, uh, well, then Jordan comes in and captains, and Roy comes in and opens, which still improves yeah, you as a, as a T20 side. And, sure does. and and they've already got a very strong attack. Well as, yeah, I mean that's you know it's not to say they're currently without guys. You know they they've defended they defended against Middlesex and Kent very easily in the end, two very large scores on two obviously very good wickets. So I don't think they'll be overly fussed by losing one game um, as much as that they've gone on a very pleasant run for the first few months of summer. I hate to uh, to break up this Surrey loving, but um, well, actually, no, it, does, it is kind of linked to Surrey as well. Story that we missed last week, we record, just for the listeners' knowledge, we record on a Tuesday, the show's broadcast on a Thursday, and of course on the Wednesday, um, news broke about Jason Roy. Conroy, it's a story that's been bubbling along for quite some time, in fairness. But George, if I could bring you in, just to ask you, what kind of impact, because Reese Topolietzi is another <laughs> name that's been thrown into the mix as a potential, as somebody who might be attracted to go and play in this uh, American T20 league. Uh, it's quite a leap to think that this American league is even going to exist in five years time, to be honest, a lot, a lot has got to go right for it to be successful, but let's just assume it is, you know, how much of an impact do you see it having on the English County summer or the T20 summer, but also in relation to this uh, thorny issue of contracts. Uh, Alex Stewart spoke a couple of months ago on cricket collective, actually, uh, and then he did a Sky Sports interview. He's been quoted quite quite widely about the fact that, uh, you know, we might have to have a little look at uh, how county championship contracts are, are divvied up. But in regard to this new T20 league and the impact it's going to have on the English game, how do you see it going? I think there's the potential there for it to have a large impact. But of course, it's not just this league. You can't just look at that. At the moment, it's 16, 17 days or something. And actually, Jason Roy doesn't miss a game. But it, I think his 
decision to to ask the ECB to hand back his incremental contact, uh, contract was just a reminder of the growing pressures that there are on the traditional English game. The thing is, the English season has already lost two months to the IPL. There, there is this uh, American League in the middle of the season. At the moment, it's 17 days, but you know, you would think it would only grow. It's the CPL just afterwards. Uh, you can understand players uh, deciding that that's what they want to do and that's what, the way they, they can make the most money, and that is absolutely their right. Uh, I, I think the criticism that Jason Roy received was very unfortunate and misguided, actually. And there are pressures. You can see why and how the English game uh, could be squeezed ever more. Uh, and yes, the game is changing. It's changing very fast. Uh, you forget the 100 as well, of course, because you can essentially play for uh, in the US, come and play in the 100 and then go and play in the CPL. Uh, what about but, you, Harmy? You, you, you do have to be good enough, though. We shouldn't lay this out as like, you know, the the new circuit. You know, it's not a case that everyone gets to go and do these things. There are currently, what is it, six teams in the in MLC. There are, you know, it's a 17-day tournament where I think every team plays, what, five games? Like, it's, you know, it, 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 it's not a divine right. You sort of get pitched, you sort of be good enough. It, it affects, at the moment, a very small number of cricketers. It's not, it's not the summer being ripped away. Well, well, no, at, at the moment, this is no, no, of course, though. of course, of course. But my point being, at the moment, and as you said on on Jason Roy, you know, we're looking at a very, very select bunch of, frankly, international white ball cricketers. Well, except how many how many people went to the IPL this year? How many English players went to the IPL this year? And and, and I'm not again, I'm not criticising them. You know, in their position, they pretty much have to, I think. But it does weaken the English game. I think for a while, there are there are mitigating factors. I I, I don't dispute that they learn things that they can bring back to England. But, um, you know, another wider perspective, we are about to start the English Test summer. The fast bowlers haven't got the bowling loads they need. The Some of them, are quite a lot of them are injured. Uh, the captain hasn't had the cricket or the, the fitness uh, he, he maybe requires. You know, there are quite a lot of pressures but created fair, only, by only, this only, new dynamic. But to be fair, only, only, one of, only one of the fast bowlers wasn't playing county cricket. I know two of them picked up injuries playing county cricket in Anderson and Robinson, but I think Mark Wood apart, all of the all of the fast bowlers have have been here, have been <laughs> getting their injuries far well, closer to home. Well, and Stokes. Well, and Stokes. Well, so Stokes but I don't think Stokes would have bowled whether he's played, whether he's in Chennai or in Durham. So, well, I don't know. Um, no, he might not have. But he and might he might not have played if he'd been in Durham. He, he might not. He almost certainly wouldn't have done very much. But that is two of. That's half the bowling attack. Seen bowling attack. And it's the so key I, I, part of the bowling attack as well, the one that can bowl over 78 mile an hour. That, if we can try and win the game, they're the ones that we're going to... And to, on that, when you mentioned Surrey not losing, I can look at losing players. I can see I can see worst-case scenario, and this is worst-case scenario, that Surrey will lose Sam Curran at some point during the Ashes because I think he'd be drafted into the England squad at some point if Stokes can't bowl. But that's for another... another well, they very perhaps we'll come back to this in a minute, but they very almost lost Gus Atkinson. But we'll talk about this when we talk about Josh Tung, maybe. Josh Tung, yes. Let's talk about him. George, one of your players to watch at the start of the season, uh, drafted into the England uh, test side. Uh, what was it that you saw in him um, over the last couple of years that uh, made him your player to watch? And not, a lot over the, <laughs> not a lot over the last couple of years, eh, John, because he, well, he's hardly that... played. But, but which, which is, well, it's a, it is a compelling story. He's the only person I know who's had Botox and it's made him better. Uh, in that he had Botox in his shoulder to to, to mend it. Uh, and it seems to have been something approaching a miracle cure. I, I mean, the, 
the things that you saw in him five years ago, whenever it was, uh, are still the the qualities that he has now, and that he bowls with decent pace. He bowls with a very high action, uh, and he, he he forces you to play because he shapes it in and then nips it away a little bit. I mean, it, and he does it upper eighties. So, mm. look, I don't think he's absolutely at his best this season, if I'm honest. And I think he has been picked partly on potential, but I can see the potential. Uh, and if he gets a go and he's absolutely at his best, he, he could be a real asset. He might be a particular asset on, on a Lord's wicket with that slope. So does it come a bit early? Yeah, probably. But is he a, a, a really interesting, talented, high-ceilinged player? Yeah, absolutely. So I think I do think it's worth remembering, and this isn't criticising him at all or, or, or doing him down in any way, but there were a lot of people who were injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whether, you know, Jamie Overton, probably Ollie Stone, you know, people that you might forget about. I think Gus Atkinson was the one the selectors went to first, and I think Surrey said he wasn't quite there. Craig Evans was the same, wasn't he? Craig, Craig said himself. Well, he's been the selectors with... didn't go to Craig, which but, I find... But wasn't expecting... But wasn't... I think you said himself he wasn't expecting it because he's been he's been managing tendonitis in his knee, tendonitis in his knee this summer. Um, Look, so they haven't gone for the bowlers who might... You, you might expect to do well at county level. They've yeah. gone Cook or Rushworth, or they, they've gone for someone with a bit more pace. Yeah, and I, um, and I think yeah. that's the right thing, George. I think that's the right thing. And I, a couple of things on Josh Tung. I, I'm with you. I've seen him a few years ago, and I've been shouting his name. Where's this kid gone from, Muster? What's what's going on? Where is he? Because oh, they're not picking him, and he obviously just body hasn't been ready to play. But I think from a an experience point of view. I think sometimes you see this in sport when somebody's been out for such a long time, he's got a high ceiling level when he first came into the game. He had on the tip of everybody's, you know, pardon the pump, he was on the tip of everybody's tongue five years ago because of his his potential. And I think when you have this as a player and you go through the, the basically the point of giving the game up, I think sometimes that is that is better appreciated when you go into what would be your international debut. Mm. So if you're Josh Tung, who cares if Greg Overton's not fit? Who cares if Gus Atkinson's not ready? Matt Potts did that last year, and you look at how good yeah. you know, Matthew did. So from that, it's right place, right time. But also the thing I like about this kid, which he's got in his favour, is it's not last chance saloon, but it's the greatest time of his life because for the last five years, he has been in such a dark place. I think when he gets to Lords and he gets his kit and he realizes where he is, that then potentially takes him for where you say is probably not at his best to potentially taking him to his very best because of the environment he is now in. And I think that that there is something that would potentially excite me if I was a selector to think mm. if Anderson and Broad, if Anderson and Robinson are not quite fit, quite fit enough, and I question mark for the first test, and I need to keep an, a hold of Broad. I don't want to play abroad if I have to in so many test matches in a row. It might be a little free hit and a free wheeler for Keezy and McCullum and Stokes to go, let's see what this kid's got. Let, you know, he is, he had the potential five years ago. He's had his dark times. If this inspires him to be the Josh Tung that we thought he was going to be all them years ago, this might just ignite something in a, in a young man's career or a, a little bit older man's career a little bit later on. And we've also got to remember that Pat Cummins didn't play for five and a half years. He's the yeah. best bowler in the world at the minute. And he's Australia captain. And who would have said he would have been that five and a half years ago? So it might not be a bad thing to chuck him in. 
Also, his, his life is changing so quickly, as, as you say, <laughs> six months a year ago. It looked awful. I think so many counties are after him. He's had a contract uh, in October. And uh, I think he might be at that beautiful situation where several big counties, uh, Hampshire, Lancashire among them, uh, are interested in, in signing him. And, um, you know, that, that that's a great position to be in, where yeah. you, uh, he'll probably get an incremental deal or something as well. You know he's going to earn a lot of money, and I think he's been really, he's really been through the mill. So uh, good luck. To he's him. got a he's got a fairly newborn child as well. It's like it's, I think he when I spoke to him a couple of times last year, actually he just like I, in fact I think I spoke to him not long after he'd sat down with the PCA basically to talk about post playing options like that. When people wonder how close he was to retiring, whether it's one of those sort of nonsense stories that's created now out of a long injury and stuff, like he was extremely close to retiring. Said the point that he was having those discussions and, and putting plans in place, and but he's got a, I think, a one-year-old now who basically kept him going. And also, what's quite interesting about the, the Botox is that the, the, the theory is it's basically he effectively he's the bowler he was before, which is his view. Doesn't he's not he's not doesn't he's lost any pace, anything is action. There's no sort of residual pain, and as much as the injury can come back, he can have those injections. I think it's once every six months. So effectively, they've got the cure for it. They know how to deal with it. And as much as a lot of people seem to be talking, like he's just come onto the radar, he was in the he was in the Lions squad at nineteen. He took 40, 50 odd wickets at nineteen in the championship, and he took eight wickets in the Lions test in March. So, in a in a weird in a, in a way, he has both come from nowhere, but also been the next in line. By the time the Ashes comes around, am I right in thinking that Anderson and probably a couple of the others, well, Anderson wouldn't have bowled for a month? Is isn't that not a little bit of a Yeah, but you're saying, you're saying, and I've been in this situation before, John, you say you haven't bowled for a month. It's, they're not, I know they're going to Scotland to play golf, but these bowling, trust me, Jimmy, Jimmy will be, Jimmy will be bowling 35 overs a week. No question whatsoever between now and, and the Ashes. It might not be competitive overs. It might not be you know, in the heat of the battle, which is, which is the thing, but Jimmy knows what he can do. He know understands where he's at. If you look at the England bowlers and you break them down, you've got Broad and you've got Broad and Anderson who have been around the world more times than Phileas Fogg. They know exactly where their bowler needs to be to get to that first test. Robinson, you'd probably want him bowler, no question. But he's got a little injury, but he is so valuable to this group. I'm not even going to risk him. Wood can hit 95 mile an hour from the very first ball he bowls. We were there, John, when he, he got off the plane at the same time as us in, in the West Indies. Rocks up, bowls 95 mile an hour, rockets in St. Lucia the first time he goes. So that is, that. don't think that's too much of an issue when it comes to that. I think Wokes needs to keep bowling as backup, and I'm sure he will in, in games that, that are going with it. Other than that, you're looking around and you're thinking, scratching your head and thinking there's not many others that, are knocking on the door. I would imagine if Potts plays against Ireland, he'll go back and start playing T20 cricket for Durham. And Josh Tung might be might be the same. But I think the pathway for the rest of them, I think they're experienced enough and impact from Wood is enough that they probably don't need a lot of competitive bowling for them to hit the ground running when June 16 comes around. Brilliant stuff. Look, we've got uh, plenty to talk about continuing on the show. You're listening to Following On County Cricketer. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. 
Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies. In the culinary capital of the Caribbean, there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. This is TalkSport 2. This is following on County Cricketer uh, in conjunction with the cricketer, George DeBell, Nick Friend, as well as myself, John Norman and Steve Harmison. Still plenty more to come on the show. We've spoken um, about a lot of the southern teams down in the uh, in the blast, but uh, let's have a little look up north. And Well, actually, let's start with Yorkshire, actually, because... Uh, it's just going from bad to worse. Where, where are we with Yorkshire? Because there's obviously stories about um, Mike Ashley, the former Newcastle uh, owner, getting involved, possibly the Saudis, possibly Colin Graves, possibly, I don't know, if you've got any money down the back of your sofa, Harmy. Uh, either way, George. It wouldn't uh, be going to Yorkshire, I know that. <laughs> on field and off field, where are we, George? Can you give us any insight? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 not, it's not going very well, is it? Uh, they're having a tough old time of things. I mean, they're clearly, as a side, playing with a lack of confidence, a lack of belief. They're finding ways to lose games they should win. From the outside, it's pretty clear that they're better than they're playing uh, and they need to believe that. It, it, it's a club in a transition. I, I, I still think they needed to change. That club needed to change and the transition's painful. I still believe they can come through it and be a better club on the other side, but that it, it is a painful process. Um, in terms of the financial stuff, yeah, insolvency is a, a growing possibility. For all the talk of the Colin Gray stuff, has he actually put in a written proposal? Not sure. Uh, the Mike Ashley thing is for real. But the more that this goes on, the more that there is division uh, at the club and in the support base, the less attractive it is, I think, to, to, to new business partners because it doesn't feel that uh, everyone's pulling in the same direction. I think there are legitimate criticisms about some of the recruitment, but. There are lots of things that Yorkshire supporters can take some pleasure and pride in. I mean, they're going to provide the England middle order in the Ashes. You know, three really, really good players who are proper Yorkshire through and through. There are good young players, as there nearly always are, coming through at the club. 
that the outlook isn't as grim as it seems. I just think they need a little bit of spark, a little bit of belief, and it, it could turn around. And the other thing to say is, however painful it is, how painful would it have been if they were running away with uh, both these leagues and then they were penalised uh, and effectively relegated? Because that's going to happen, isn't it? They're about to get, you would think, a very significant points penalty. So maybe you see this season as a bit of a free hit. Maybe this season is about development. It's about blooding young players, rebuilding. Uh, because uh, uh, even if they were top of the leagues, I think they're going to get penalties. So a very difficult phase, but it is a transition. And, uh, you know, I know it's a cliche, but they are, they can build that better. Yeah, it's very, very different reasons behind it. Uh, financial penalties. You know, Durham were really penalised badly. They they kind of had their own line in the sand moment, didn't they? And, and it, it does feel a little bit like Yorkshire just kind of like, look, we've done wrong. We've, the majority yeah, of them have held their hands up to it. Can you just punish us, please? Yeah. So we can like kind of move on from all this. Because even from an investor's perspective, going to investors and saying, well, we don't really know, you know, where we're going to be over the next couple of years because we don't know the size of the punishment. That can't help. It's kind of like a sword of Damocles hanging over them. But give us an idea of how Durham kind of bounced back from a similar points, you know, penalty position to find themselves where they are in now, where they're very much looking up. Yeah, absolutely. And George is right. And I think the the thing that for me, when the Yorkshire thing is, as much as closure as you possibly could get, I think that's the most important thing for Yorkshire now. You're right saying they're in transition. You're right saying they've got some good young players. But they need closure on everything to start again. And I still don't think that's anywhere near near happening because you've got the racism stuff that's hanging over their head still because we're still talking about the players being fined and uh, former players and coaches being fined and, um, and and banned. Then you've also got who's coming in. I seen a great poll the other day saying which is the worst, which is the best outcome: liquidation, Newcastle fans not having any time for Mike Ashley, Colin Graves. Or the Saudis and the human rights stuff that Newcastle fans have been been given for the last you know, twelve months with with the PFI coming into to Newcastle United, so it's just a cloud hanging over it so much. But the one thing they've got, they've got some fantastic young players. You know, the likes of George Hill and Matt Revis and and one or two others who are playing now. They have found so many ways to lose from winning positions so far this season, and it just seems like the negativity around the club hanging over the club, if that lifts, then all of a sudden I think you'll see just that little bit of performance lift in belief rather than, well, they're just trying to keep their heads down. They're not trying to make a name for themselves. They're just trying to sort of bob just below the water as above above, above it, as opposed to just bobbing above it. Durham, they had all that. Mark Stoneman, Scott Borthwick, Graham Onions, Liam Plunkett. And, you know, five, there was another one, five or six international in players. Eaton Jennings all had to leave. And you look at Durham now and you see Durham now with the likes of Graham Clark and Michael Jones and Matt Potts and you see the way they are performing now. They've got their heads because of Durham having to go to rock bottom. But Durham's was done quickly. It was out and open, bang, bosh, there you go. There's your punishment. There's your fine. There's your relegation. Not coming back next year. Paul Collingwood and a bunch of kids get on with the job. Ian Botham, Sir Ian Botham come in, Marcus North come in as director of cricket. You've got a structure, a pan and place, and they went forward with a bunch of young kids. And now Durham are 
you know, the best team in the second division and they're going strong. And I think it was the clarity of this is what's happening to you and it's done. Durham could then look forward. I still don't think Yorkshire can look forward until the, the actual closure, what their punishment is, and then Goffey and Otis Gibson can start building a future and giving belief to a future, which at this minute in time, they've got no no, no idea where they're going. I bowl, I bowl the worst ball in the history of the game of cricket. I will never get away from that. Yorkshire, unfortunately, unfortunately for all the goodwill in every programme they try and do to bring um, exclusive, you know, to bring everything back, diversity back into the, the county, which would be great and it will happen. But unfortunately, you know yourself, guys, that these things don't leave you. They don't leave you. But I'm not saying that's a, a, a hugely negative thing. I just think that's something they're going to have to deal with for the rest of their, you know, for the foreseeable future. And I think... You, you'd have to say... Well, I was going to say Shambasood has uh, taken on quite a challenge, hasn't he? He's come from Pakistan, yeah. which we normally think of as being the most uh, political, complex uh, cricketing backdrop, and he's found himself in Yorkshire, yeah. which is even more difficult. Tough game. He has. But, it, but did you know what I'm trying to say? It's not, yeah. it's not a, a huge, it's not a sort of negative against this new regime or anything that goes with it. But yeah, there are people out there who, if, they, if they've ever got a problem with Yorkshire, they've got an easy stick to bat them with. And that's not fair to the people that are now trying to change the culture of Yorkshire County Green Club. But unfortunately, that's the world we live in. I would like to say one thing, Harmy. No one mentions that delivery in Brisbane more than you do. I think we, I think we have all kind of moved on from there. We kind of see you as the terrific double ashes winning, you know, man of the series against West Indies. We've put it, we've put that delivery into context. And yeah, I but, every t- but every time Scott Taylor puts a, a, a video of me having a, a ridiculous opinion against DCB or against somebody that you know, they don't like, you look at the comment section, there's always somebody that will come up with it. So I'm not bothered. I really well, don't care. We'll Pick just it up get and hate. Up to get on with it. Just get Haley off social media and you'll see know, that, yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing will finish very soon. Harmy, let's start with you. Player Watch, obviously, you have uh, you could talk about that. But also Durham got off to a, a decent start in the T20. They did lose against uh, Knotts this week. But uh, just like the county championship, this, things are looking strong there. But how did your players go as well? Yeah, Ollie Robinson had a... He, he got a few runs against... Um, the, they're going all right. He got 50 against Knotts, and he's a, he's a good player. Carter's injured, um, and he'd be out for for the foreseeable future. It was overshadowed the Durham-Knotts game on TV because, obviously, the IPL final lasted three days. Um, but the thing I liked about it, the sunshine was, the sun was out. Durham's ground is packed to the rafters, largely because of the fact the big stand on the far side wasn't open, and it looked a picture. It always does. When the sun's out at Durham, which not much, but the backdrop of the of the of the, of the castle, um, and Durham are going in the right direction. You know they've got, for me, a good side. Michael Jones showed again at the top of the order. He's an option, I think, to the England selectors if they're looking to make a change. Um, and I, I fully expect Durham to be in one of the top four come the end of the uh, at the end of the competition. They've got a decent bowling unit, and Ashton Turner is. I think he's a. I think he's a very, very good T Twenty player. So, I think like the Championship side, I think Durham have got a well balanced, a well balanced unit. Competition in that in that uh, Northern Division is very, very strong. Lancashire, as of next week, could be could be ridiculous. 
You know, the likes of Butler and Livingston and Salt. And yet, and yet they got bowled out for 90 yesterday. Yeah, they got bowled out for 90, yeah, but Joss is not there yet. So <laughs> he's uh, he makes a massive difference. Just his personality being there and the opposition, the aura around Joss makes a difference. And it's great to see that he's he's going to play. So there's some strong teams in that that northern section. But I, I, I fancy Durham to get into to one of the knockout spots. Good stuff, good stuff. George, Nick, new cricketer mag out this uh, this week. Uh, ahead of the Ashes, it's a it's a bumper one. George, what, you, you've got your column involved, of course, as ever. George, can you give us a bit of an insight into into what's in the magazine? Do you know I can't because uh, I'm sorry uh, because I can't remember which one it is because there's one going to press tomorrow. That'll be the one, George. <laughs> oh, really? Well, I haven't <laughs> finished writing it, so uh, there's, <laughs> there's a wee bit to do this morning, eh? <laughs> But I've written, well, I've written about um, actually I've written about uh, Thacker largely, um, who beat Lancashire yesterday in a T20, um, Lancashire seconds that is, and uh, I've made the point that uh, the South Asian Cricket Academy has now produced seven fully professional players. Of course, one of whom was playing in the Blast for Yorkshire in Jaffa Chayan as well. Yes, and uh, it, it survives on fifty five thousand pounds a year, nearly all of which comes from Birmingham City University. That the ECB continue to thwart it, I would say. I mean, they're certainly not funding it. And for all they talk a great game of inclusivity and wanting to support that, they're not turning that talk into action. And the failure to support Saka is ridiculous uh, and uh, manifestly wrong, and they just need to get the hell on with it and support it, I think. Is it, would you agree with that, Nick, broadly? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, things we said last week, name another academy that's produced seven pros in a year. And, and some coaches. Anti coaches and is I think it was talked about at decent length last week that the the different age profile of the opportunities it's offered up and I think also what it's highlighted in terms of I guess the talent pathway doesn't have to end at eighteen as it were you know having guys like Arafat Bian coming in at twenty six for Kent uh, Zamata at twenty four for Gloucestershire you know guys who would otherwise have been completely lost to I mean Arafat came via the Kent League didn't he so yeah I mean completely it's, it, it works and. And it's worked fact, for a year at the point being. Yeah, and, and, and the ECB haven't backed it. And it's it's not just worked, it's shown a model that, that could be widened out massively well beyond the South Asian community to widen scope for professional cricket across the country, I think. There, there's a nice interview with Mike Gatting in this issue. Um, David Gower uh, yeah. took Mike Gatting for lunch, which no doubt was terribly expensive. That's <laughs> <laughs> a cheap gag, isn't it? And... Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, can I, they can seem, I tell you? They seem to be coming very thick and fast, the magazines right now. Extra eight pages for the series. So there's, there is, um, yeah, well, obviously a, obviously a big old big old Ashes preview. Um, it is. Men, and men's, also- and, men's and women's, I should say. There's a, certainly I've written, so, um, I've interviewed Sophie Eccleston, mainly about golf, actually, which was <laughs> which is good fun. She's a, I'd call her an, unli- an, an unlikely golfer, given how, impatient by her own admission she is well the men's team played more golf in new zealand than they did play cricket I think. well they so played a few holes in the grove on sunday as well so do you know i bumped, I bumped into brendan i bumped into brendan mccullum in the pub the other day and i said oh, how are you didn't know you were back or something like that and uh he had just landed <laughs> and come to the pub i just <laughs> thought that really is their answer for everything <laughs> just amazing <laughs> <laughs> it is incredible 
Uh, I should also say 20% off 12 issue sub for following our listeners. If you go to www.spicesub, I mean subscription, of course, www.thecricketer.com forward slash talk sport. Yeah, I mean, I assume that those extra eight pages aren't being written by you, George. Otherwise, you've got, your work, you've got, your got eight blank pages by the sound of it. I've got, I've got three. <laughs> We've had a question as well. Oh, yeah. Rich Turner, Rich T Music says, why does the season have to be so stop, start and fragmentary? I can appreciate the need to cater to diverse audiences with different formats. But what we currently have is the worst of all worlds. Let's have some continuity. Well, he's right. I mean, you might right, even say it's he? staccato, uh, to, use, to use his terminology. It's because originally the players didn't want to play, uh, they didn't want to go between formats, they didn't want to go between competitions, and you can understand that. They thought the quality would be uh, improved, and also you might avoid injuries if things were in blocks, in windows. And there's been a also, bit of compromise to that. Sorry, go on, Nick. I was going to say, just on just that point as well, with, with, the, with the state of the global calendar now, if you weren't blocking up the blast, certainly you'd do very well to find any overseas player of any repute. You know, it's far easier to bring someone over for a Glenn Maxwell over, for example, than, than it would be if the blast was being played over, you know, if the group stage was over two and a half months and then final stage was at the back end of September again. That was a major reason. The Rashi Khan situation in, I want to say 2021, is that right? Have I got that right? I think where Rashi Khan played the whole group stage was on the final day by beating Yorkshire at at Chester Street, I think it was, and then wasn't at finals day because it was a month later in, in September and it clashed with Afghanistan fixtures. That's all played a part in condensing the blast into what it is now, which is obviously finishing before the 100, and also the fact that they've got that wildcard system that they, that I think they are genuinely trying to tie up more with the 100 than, than, than originally was the case. Um, they are. That's so saying but, a large but, reason. But he makes but, a point, but he does yeah. make a point. And I, I think no, I'm not saying, well. I don't think he's wrong. I, 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 I wouldn't that, that play is, in Windows. Personally, yeah. so I disagree. I wouldn't play in Windows. Uh, I would go between the formats and make sure that you can play the championship at least a bit throughout the season. I mean, they sort of are. I mean, there's championship cricket in June and July and September. Yeah, there's not in August, I get that. And well, there's not a lot in June and July, is there? Well, but, there's, there, won't, but there won't be a lot in June and July, however you do it. If you're playing, if you've got 14 games over five months, you're only playing two two and a half games in each month. I don't know how we, we've ended up with 14 either. I mean, one of the unfortunate things that happened from a a, a very admirable uh, display of force even from county supporters, uh, which I, you know, I think is terrific. I think they've been um, pushed around far too much in uh, historically. But they obviously mobilised last year, whatever it was, against the Strauss Review. And they've maintained a status quo, which I think we all thought was rubbish. That's unfortunate. So I think we, we still, we, we haven't actually made any progress. You know, the 14-game system, I don't think particularly works. Um, no, and there are, you, 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 there are lots of ways you could change it. it. It looks to me naive to think you could go have more championship well, games. Well, whatever my own desires might be, I just think that's naive. I just think that we've lost that argument, really. So, you know, but I, I think it's important that there's integrity in the championship and that you, you play each other home and away. And to do that, you're probably going to have to reduce the number of games or have playoffs. Personally, don't think playoffs work uh, in first-class cricket. So there are lots of different ways to do things. But I, I, I think, you know, you, you don't. Yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about bringing in overseas players for the whole season. I would uh, have uh, a predictable fixture list, which might involve T20s on, say, Friday night. And, and, and I guess we get to the conversation about, you know, Thursday nights at Lords used to be 
uh, cast iron sellout for the derby game and it wasn't i don't think the the crowd was quite as bad as some photos made no, it look it was uh, i think, it was I think also, 70, 18, you're like a pretty pretty good crowd pretty good uh, crowd sell out, sell out at 99 percent of the grounds in the country I, don't know about that. I think I think Edgbaston and Manchester are a bit bigger than you remember. Well, um, cool. Let's call it eighty percent. Um, but look, tickets are more expensive than they are than they are anywhere else in the country. They're ludicrously um, expensive, by the way. It's and and actually, you know, like yeah, I mean, you know, they are. I think it was was it thirty five quid for mm. for a. And I know I know people don't particularly want you know that game has always been before I was working them. I I would go and I'd go with with vast swathes of friends and colleagues and cricket teammates uh, and go to Lords on Thursday evenings. They are, they are and were great nights, but they are, it's, it's, it was also, frankly, I think to a fair few people considered a, a large pub where, mm. you know, where you, where you rock up and, you know, actually, you know, what was interesting, what you can't tell from either skies, cameras or, or, or photos taken on Thursday. And I'm not saying there were 10,000 people in the concourse, but there are a lot of people just, you know, yeah, you might get a photo of what the stand looks like, I cannot tell you how many people are at the ground, but just at the bars. And actually like where it becomes... Match yeah, lunch. but actually where it becomes interesting is, I mean, look, the price of... And this is a <laughs> probably very quite far away quite far away from, from this podcast, but the price for pint at Lord's is if you're... You know, if that is the way of getting people in and, you know, having this, you know, quite boozy Thursday night, work, you know, people after work kind of, kind of atmosphere, you can, go, you can go to a pub down the road and get two pints for the same price. And... If you're not that fussed about the cricket, then no wonder those people might make that choice. Equally, that's that's not the majority of people going to watch the T20 Blast game. Obviously, sure, there's a lot of cricket this summer, but I, I do struggle to believe that people aren't going to watch Middlesex Visari at Lords because there are other competitions to come later in the summer. I really do struggle with that idea. I, 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 think, I, think, but I think there's an issue with the predictability of the fixture list. Yeah, you know, yeah. well, I, I've said for a while that I'd love to see it um, regionalised and then, sure, if you want to keep your derbies, keep your derbies. I appreciate how hard that would be for some counties. You know, Durham have a North group away day in Northamptonshire, which is, frankly, if you ask the if you ask the Durham guys, mental. But actually, they might they might say, you know what, the North group's already so far apart that why don't we just go and play, to, to go and do a road trip where you play Hampshire, Essex, and Northants back on route up to Durham. You know, that's um, I would I would freshen up. I, I think it needs to be freshened up. I think it's ludicrous how rarely some of the teams play each other. I think. I think when Middlesex played knots in the 2019 quarter final, it was the first time, I might be wrong about this, but possibly the first time ever they played each other in the blast. I mean, I think it would help it dramatically. If you, okay, and I'd have, I'd have promotion and relegation. Uh, I think we've just seen in football how, how the drama, the peril, how that works. It keeps teams interested. Uh, but I'd have a predictable fixture list. And I think the point that Richard makes is, is, is very valid. It's very, very hard to follow. We should have started with Richard. Uh, guys, thank you very much. George, I'll see you at Lord's. Looking forward to that. We're very fortunate, as you may mention last week, to have uh, all this test cricket to go and, uh, and watch and enjoy and savour. Uh, Nick, I'm not sure where I'll see you. Maybe at the Oval. I don't know. We'll I, um, I'm sure we will. You're never more than 10 feet away from a blast game, are you? So, yes. Well, exactly, exactly. Thanks for your time this week, guys. Uh, and thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week on Falling on County Cricket. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. 
Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 